Support for this podcast is provided by Atrax. Atrax is the total career site system, which converts site visitors into high-quality job applicants. A fully SaaS system, Atrax is powered by the latest AI to deliver an outstanding and relevant talent experience, personalised employer branding, and a strong conversion of candidates into the ATS. To find out more, go to www.attracts.co.uk. That's www.attracts.co.uk. And Attracts is spelled A-T-T-R-A-X. There's been more of scientific discovery, more of technical advancement and material progress in your lifetime and mine than in all the ages of history. Hi everyone, this is Matt Alder. Welcome to episode 266 of the Recruiting Future podcast. Over the last five and a half years, I've published nearly 120 hours of podcast content, and I've always been very frustrated that there hasn't been a more effective way to search this archive for specific topics. Well, As of now, that's all changed with the launch of the new RecruitingFuture.com website. I know that the vast majority of you subscribe to the show in your podcasting app of choice or via Spotify, and that's still the best way to make sure you're up to date with all the latest content. However, if you want to search the back catalogue for interviews on specific topics, including recruiting automation, employer branding, recruitment marketing, recruiting technology and talent acquisition strategy, it's now super easy to do that on the website at www.recruitingfuture.com. So on with the show and something a bit different this week. I'm delighted to welcome back the brilliant John Vlastelika from Recruiting Toolbox, but this time, rather than me interviewing him, he's interviewing me. We talk about a range of topics around the future of talent acquisition, including technology, marketing, leadership, change, and experience. Hi, my name is John Vlastelika with Recruiting Toolbox, and uh, Matt, welcome to your podcast. Thanks, John. A pleasure to, to be on my own show and, and, and always a pleasure to be talking to you. I'm super excited to get to interview you. I was checking in on your Recruiting Future podcast and see you've delivered over 250, or as I like to say, a quarter of a thousand, because it sounds more impressive that way. Uh, a quarter of a thousand podcasts to our TA community. So thank you for that. And and I thought that the, you know the through that work, you've learned so much about real re- world recruiting best practices, You know the promises and failures of technology, some leadership do's and don'ts, the evolving role of recruiters, and all kinds of stuff. And I I wanted to learn more about what you've learned and think the listeners of your podcast would enjoy a bit of a flip as you go from kind of the interviewer to the interviewee. Uh, what, what say you? Are you up for this? I'm definitely up for this um, with, with, with a couple of caveats that I've published over 100 hours of content now, which is actually more than the whole of the Game of Thrones box set, basically, <laughs> if you're thinking of going to listen to it in, uh, in, in one go. And I've spoken to some amazing people and got some amazing, amazing insights. The two slight problems I suffer from are recency bias. So I tend to, um, I tend to sort of remember the interviews 
I've done in the last six months. So um, apologies to anyone brilliant who's been on the show who who I kind of might overlook and also too much information. So I'm sure uh, after we finish talking, I'll be kicking myself that I missed out some amazing insight from a few years ago. It's such a great library. You know, you, you have so much breadth and depth in there and, and, and I hear you. And the good news is we can find all of your podcasts online. So, so we'll even reference some podcasts that you maybe think we can point back to uh, to go deeper in some topics as as we chat. Does that sound good? Absolutely. Let's let's start with technology. Uh, you think a lot about technology. You talk to all kinds of TA leaders and vendors and and kind of people that are that are also kind of thinking a lot about technology in the in the talent space. What what technology are, are you most excited about? Um, and and technology that you might even think is is underutilized in our industry today? Yeah, I think there are probably three areas of technology that that come up the most in conversation that I, that I'm that I'm really interested in looking at and and also come up in kind of other aspects um, other aspects of my work. And I did a, a an audience survey for the podcast earlier in the earlier in the year um and 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 these were the sort of aspects of technology that that, that came up. So the the first one, which I think is a topic that's only going to get bigger, is recruiting automation. And whenever I've had an episode or spoken to someone about recruiting automation on the show, what's become really clear is there's a lot of spin and a lot of hype. Um, there's a lot of people out there saying that recruiting is already automated and AI is uh, doing doing all this kind of uh, you know amazing amazing work and, and getting things done rather than humans. But actually, the reality is very different. And from a recruitment recruiting automation perspective, we're really still at the beginning of the journey. And I think as as we kind of na- navigate the the, the the crisis that that we're that we're now in with the with the, the global pandemic and and what's going to happen next, uh, I, I think this is an interesting time for recruit, recruiting automation. I think um, a lot of the old arguments around this are null and void. So, for an example, um, a couple of weeks ago, I interviewed an HR director called Martin Glover, who works for a law firm in Edinburgh in Scotland, which um, which which is where I live. And he was talking about the fact that lawyers in the past have never used technology very much or never been keen to use technology very much, particularly things like video technology. But actually, the current situation sees them sees them using that technology all the time. Um, and he felt that moving forward in his approach to talent acquisition, he would be looking at more technology, particularly video technology, because the old argument that the best lawyers don't don't use this technology and are not interested in it has, has kind of been overturned. So, so I think I think that's um, that's really interesting. I think a lot of the debate about recruiting automation has been has been driven by self interest. So, recruiters uh, approach it from the aspect of saving their jobs or saving the parts of their jobs that they might really like but could be automated. And vendors already always come in from the aspect of trying to sell their services and automate automate as much as they as much as they can. But I think we're seeing some interesting stuff. So, I think there's some interesting stuff out there. There's some interesting examples of this starting to. Take hold. I've done a couple. I've done 
some individual interviews and a couple of special shows on on recruiting automation and things like chatbots and automated sourcing and all these kind of things. You know, we're starting to see them creep in and we're starting to see some some quite good examples, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. And, and it's interesting you bring up the kind of coronavirus. I, I was talking to another TA leader who has about a 180-person corporate TA team, and she was talking about this also sort of in the same context that, you know, the, the friend you talked to in Edinburgh there, that that there's this coronavirus has kind of been a forcing function. It's forcing them to look at things differently and try things that maybe they, they would be open to eventually, but it's kind of accelerated their interest in, in trying things, experimenting, you know, being forced to adopt things. And not just that, that recruiting was resisting, but things that kind of touched the business. They were just being kind of put in a position where they had to try some, some different things. And so from her perspective, it's an incredible time for kind of innovation in experimentation, innovation in kind of the way you, you push this out and drive adoption, which is exciting because the tech is there to do a lot of the automation. But your point, maybe it hasn't been framed the right way. Maybe people have been a little too hesitant. Uh, maybe vendors have been a little too, you know, had too much of a self-interest driving it, trying to push it on. But where there's pain, you know, where there's pain in a business, I think there's usually flexibility, there's opportunity. And, and that's, I think, one of the, the potential silver linings of what's going on now is we'll see a little bit of that kind of move you know, move into more of kind of a normal state for us, uh, hopefully now and, and and after this. So I think recruiting automation is is one area, but I know that there's a lot of stuff that you think about in kind of the, the marketing space as well. And I was just going to ask you kind of how you see the, the marketing world and, and kind of generally candidate attraction world and uh, how, how you see that evolving or how you see the, the technology there kind of being underutilized. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and this is an area that's very close to my heart, my, my, my kind of entire career in the talent acquisition space has has revolved in some way or other around recruitment marketing and and employer branding before i was a consultant and before i did the podcast i did 10 years running digital teams in some of the biggest recruitment recruitment marketing agencies in europe so it's it's kind of always been very close to to my heart and um i've always been incredibly frustrated by how bad we are at marketing in in in, in our industry basically so i think that when it comes to recruitment when it comes to recruitment marketing there, there's a real desperate need for people to update their strategies and update their approaches to it and the map to do this is there um, if you look at what's going on in digital marketing in in other industries, you, you can quite clearly see the technologies and the and the model that that are being used. So, again, we're we're in a time of evolution or, or revolution in terms of the way that the people look at stuff. And whilst I don't think there's a, 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 I can't think of a company who's, who's, who's entirely nailed this. There's been some really good examples of organizations that I've spoken to, and I'll, I'll mention some of them, some of them in a second, who, who are doing aspects of this or on a journey towards this. But I think that we, we need a, a new model that has its foundation on technology. It's fueled by content and it's driven by data. So, Programmatic advertising, I think, is something that has kind of taken off quite slowly in our space. We have programmatic job board advertising. Uh, we have companies using programmatic display advertising for things like campus recruitment and, and stuff like that. But it's, it's never really accelerated. I found something I wrote the other week about 
what what essentially was programmatic advertising and i wrote it i wrote it something like five six seven seven years ago um and and it still kind of hasn't really sort of taken control in our space because not enough people perhaps understand it i i did a special episode of the show um a few weeks ago trying to sort of explain what was going what was going on so so basically advertising that's very very strongly tied to behavior where target audiences are and driven by results is part of it i think that career sites are probably the most neglected part of the recruitment marketing mix i think they should be hubs of personalization of optimization and 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 really driven by really driven by data and not many companies do that i've interviewed a few on the show so mitchells and butler most recently vodafone um in 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 the uk um not so long ago about how they were implementing career site systems to add personalization optimization and improve the the data that that they that they're using those guys were using a vendor called attracts to do that but there are there are several vendors out out there doing doing the same thing so i think um programmatic advertising career site systems but also the real importance of data what recruitment marketing needs is speed flexibility and accountability i've done two interviews with various people from the talent intelligence team at philips the work they're doing there is amazing and they're using they're using data science to really underlie their whole approach to to talent acquisition in terms of workforce planning and and lots of other things but i think you know understanding understanding and analyzing the data behind recruitment marketing is a, is a skill that that we're not using in the industry and also it's something that works throughout the funnel so a few years ago i did an interview with one of the recruiting recruitment marketing people at hubspot and they're doing they were they're doing an amazing job of actually proactively creating content that helps unblock parts of their recruiting funnels based on data that they're looking at practically in real time so if they've got too many people dropping out of the interview stage they try and find out why and then they try and address those objections or those issues with with content almost straight away you know and that's a fantastic approach but you don't see very many people very many people using it and also you know even even the whole idea of a funnel is that out of date had um interview with Alin Bailey from Intel last year and she was talking about the infinite loop approach to to recruitment marketing and talent acquisition so i think recruitment marketing needs a massive overhaul in terms of its sophistication but the pieces of the jigsaw are out there and there's some companies who do who are doing some some fantastic work Matt what would you say is the, is the root issue i mean the, the stuff that you're describing i can picture if i'm a ta leader listening to you describe kind of the opportunity I'm, I'm nodding my head yeah 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 i get it i get it we got you know i understand the need for you know for kind of the the opportunity to take advantage of the technology have the content get the data and the insights why aren't people implementing this like what's what's the biggest blocker or what are the biggest blockers that are preventing people from doing this is it is it uh, you know a lack of uh, you know leadership around it is it is it budget why wouldn't people be investing more in this i think there's a number of aspects to it I think the biggest one is actually round specialization. I think that in many organizations, there's a view that this is something that 
the TA team can can do as part of its job or recruiters can be doing at the same time that they're recruiting and perhaps a, a, a lack of willingness to invest in, in special resource to make this happen. But and also, um, I think that sometimes a lot of conferences, people will stand up and talk about this kind of stuff and really oversimplify it, make it sound like it's something that's very accessible that everyone can be doing. But it's really not. It's these are these are very specialist skills. And the employers who are doing this well have invested in either you know, training or headcount or whatever that might be to bring those skills into their team. So I think um, part of it is a, a lack of specialist skills. And then the other part is just really not necessarily understanding how it can how it can really sort of drive drive positive things as part of a part of a strategy. So I think it's having a strategic approach to it rather than treating recruitment marketing as a tactical issue, but also having the specialist skills to do this because th- this isn't easy whatever anyone tells you at a conference right right the, the, the other thing i want to ask you about in the technology space was was really around assessment which is uh can, can be kind of top of funnel but but you know a lot of middle of funnel area that there's so many recruiters that are involved in kind of you know doing the profiling work with a hiring manager sourcing and then a lot of them after they kind of present the the screened candidates aren't that involved in in middle of funnel. And I know that different industries, different geographies use assessments differently. I have many clients that would never use any kind of assessment tool. And I have some that you can't get hired without going through a formal assessment. But I'm curious, what kind of opportunities are there kind of technology-wise in the assessment space? What are you kind of interested in? And again, what do you think is kind of underutilized? Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting area. Um, and I was, I was really conscious about 18 months ago that uh, I can't remember what episode number I was on then, sort of 100 and something or whatever. Um, but I've been doing the show for a, for a number of years and I was really conscious that I hadn't actually done, hadn't actually sort of put much content out about assessment. I hadn't done very many interviews about assessment. So I've probably really overcompensated for that in the last, <laughs> in the last so I've spoken to a lot of people about what's happening. Um, what's happening in assessment. I've had Bas van der Hattred, who's the Dutch uh, consultant who, who kind of really specializes in looking at new and interesting forms of technology being used for assessment. Um, he's been on the show a couple of times talking about, you know, everything from, uh, you know, assessing micro movements to, you know, all, all kinds of um, almost sort of crazy sounding, crazy sounding stuff. Some, some of which he found to be useful and some of which he didn't. It's, it's a kind of, there's an, there's an interesting, it, it seems to be with assessment that, that it sort of polarizes into, into sort of into two areas. So very often when we discuss technology and assessment, we really focus on the the sort of the bleeding edge stuff that doesn't have much context and does doesn't necessarily doesn't necessarily work, but it makes for a great media story using micro facial movements to find the best salespeople or whatever whatever that might be. Or we kind of ignore technology altogether and say, no, 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 no. This is all about the recruiter's experience or the hiring manager's experience. And it's all about humans seeing the potential in humans. So it's kind of a bit of a seesaw debate. And really where I'm seeing things being the most effective is 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 where there's balance. So undoubtedly there's there's a huge amount of things that technology can do brilliantly in in the assessment space. But then there's things where 
humans things where you can't you can't sort of replace humans. So I had a really interesting conversation with SHL actually a few weeks back now and how they're they're using they're using a kind of a blend of AI and and humans to to really um, human capability to 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 really get the get the best outcomes for for the assessment that they're the assessments that they're doing, and I thought that was really interesting. And I think the key point that came out of it was it isn't actually about the type of technology that you use. It's all about the outcomes that you're trying to get to, and what the balance of human expertise and and technology you can mix to 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 get there. So. It's an area full of sensationalism, but I think we're seeing some really interesting work being being done to to really kind of work out that conundrum about uh, you know how do we uh, select people who are going to pe- pe- perform the best in the role. I think you bring up an interesting point there because you know a lot of folks it's it's tempting to to kind of be drawn to the shiny object, and there's nothing I love more than going you know to a conference and hearing someone on stage say something that doesn't sound just derivative of all the other stuff we've been doing for 20 years, but instead sounds really innovative and new and, and interesting. And a lot of it has to do with technology, but but tech is a means to an end. And and just like, you know, the company you said that's looking at assessment, you know, look at the outcomes. Don't just focus on the tech. We don't get high fives from the business if we're implementing new tech that doesn't solve a real problem. And and a lot of the, the understanding of the problem, as you said earlier, starts with understanding the, the data, the insights, really you know, as HubSpot did, take a look at where people are dropping out and then how do we specifically address that? And um, so so I love that that's maybe a common theme you're hearing is don't get too caught up in the technology itself. And even the technology, specific technology you select may not be as much of a difference maker as as kind of really understanding the problem and being able to measure the outcomes. Yeah, absolutely. I want to evolve uh, our conversation to talk about TA evolution a little bit. And one of the things that, that you've heard over, over the years you've been doing your podcast is this, you're hearing the evolution take place uh, in talent acquisition. I'd love to hear a little more about what you think kind of needs to change. You know, what do we need to see more of and less of in TA as a function? And as you look at kind of your version of a maturity model and think about where TA is today and where it needs to be, what are the kind of gaps that you're seeing? What, what are the biggest areas? One of them we just talked about is kind of leveraging technology effectively. What are some other things you see that need to change? So I think we're in a period of time now where talent acquisition, talent acquisition strategies, talent acquisition resources, talent acquisition leadership is going to be under the microscope and scrutinized by by companies in, in a way it's probably never, never been, never been done before. So I think you know, in in the past, we always tend to predict revolution and and get evolution, and you know, and that that may well be the the case here. But but I, but I think that this intense scrutiny may well lead to some some sort of significant a significant period of um, reinvention, if you like. And recessions always do that. Um, you know, obviously, we're not quite sure what the recession that we're in or we're about to be in is going to look like, or how long it, how long it's going to be last. How long it's going to last, but but every time there is a recession, there is a certain amount of, of of reinvention in in the way that talent acquisition talent acquisition works. So, from a from a leadership perspective, I think that the 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 TA leaders who are really going to um, shine now are the ones who can be credible, brave, and and, and effective. 
an effective part of that scrutiny and also curious about how how they how they can do things differently and how they can think differently about what's going on so uh, technology is obviously a key area and thinking strategically about technology is, i think is something that 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 would help everyone i think sometimes as an industry we're we're very driven by the tools whether that's new shiny objects that we flock to or legacy technology that means we have to do run recruitment processes in a certain way because we've had this tech forever and it kind of makes us do that so thinking about technology um, strategically, I think is a is 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 a big part of this. I also think that there, and this has come out from a, a lot of content I've had on 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 the show over the last sort of two to three years. Thinking about talent as a whole, I, I think is important, and it's an opportunity to to maybe reassess how we think about talent. Um, you know, we we talk a lot about unconscious bias in the recruiting process but i also see a lot of conscious bias um you know people being ruled out of jobs because they've had periods of unemployment or they're too old or um someone considers that their skills aren't transferable enough and 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 all those kind of things so i think rethinking the whole way that we think about talent um, i think is really is, is is kind of a really important aspect of this one of the things that i do with the recruiting future podcast is uh, every you know every every sort of few weeks or so I'll look outside the industry to look at interesting ideas from from thought leaders who have nothing to do with nothing to do with TA and three of the ones who sort of just popped into my my, my head that I've spoken to in the last twelve months Professor Francesca Gino um, who wrote a book called Rebel Talent which is all about not rule following and recruiting people who don't who don't follow the rules. Matthew Saeed, who's very well known in the UK, I'm not quite sure what his international um, profile is like, but he's written a really, really good book um, called Rebel Ideas, which is all about cognitive diversity in teams. And then the, the one that really sort of pulls us together is an interview I did with Tom Goodwin, who um, has a very, very high profile on LinkedIn, commenting on marketing matters. Um, I think he's global head of strategy for Zenith. He may have moved jobs since then, but he's, he's, he's kind of a very well-known figure in, in, in marketing circles. And he was talking about the in terms of companies that are being digitally disrupted, which is pretty much every company at the moment, you know, companies who've who've not embraced um, digital operating models are having to having to do that very quickly or not survive. And 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 he talked about bringing people into the organisation with different ideas, with diversity of thinking, um, you know, who might not necessarily kind of fit in, but actually could drive organisations forward. But he also highlighted the fact that our current recruitment processes would screen those people out <laughs> before they arrived in the business. Um, actually, our HR functions actually set up to manage these people. So I think that's a, I think that's really, really interesting in terms of the type of talent and the type of skills that companies are going to be looking for in the future. And does talent acquisition and the way it works strategically, does it align to those corporate objectives and actually facilitate that type of talent coming through its processes and thriving um, once in post? It's really interesting because you're talking about a lot of, you know, very pre-funnel kind of, kind of work, you know, the strategy of what is the kind of talent we need, 
what's happening in our industry and our company. And I would say a lot of TA leaders aren't part of those conversations. I'm not even sure those conversations are happening. I, I get disappointed when I hear a business executive talk about a major shift in the business and they're not really thinking through the talent opportunity or the talent needs, or even just the talent availability. What's the addressable market for that kind of talent? Are you going to find all of those people that are going to, that are going to transform your company? There's a TA leader I, I really like who has this, this saying, and I've, I've just, I keep repeating it because it's, it just cracks me up. It captures so much the opportunity here, but he started as a new, new head of TA at a company and you know, immediately in his first you know, week is meeting with all the executive teams. And there was a lot of pent-up demand for TA leadership. And they were asking him, you know, what's your strategy? What's your talent acquisition strategy? And he responded right away with, well, what's your strategy? <laughs> you know, what's your business strategy? What are you trying to do? And then I'll tell you my strategy because my strategy should come from your strategy. I shouldn't have this, this totally separate running parallel, never intersecting with the business TA strategy. It needs to be part of the business strategy. And I think that's one of the areas where there is a lot more evolution needed. If your you know, company is being disrupted, as you said, Matt, you know, we need to be thinking about the talent angle. Like, what's the talent angle on this? And are we screening out the exact people that we need to transform our business? Are we screening out the very people we need to survive? And I've had lots of examples as a, as a consultant and a TA leader where I see people you know, decide at the high level that they want to hire a different kind of profile. But to your point, they start bringing those people into interview and they don't pass the interviews, right? They're, they're not like us. They're different. <laughs> and the, the differences are the things we need. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that's in, it's interesting as well, because it, it, it kind of, it, it also throws a light on this disconnect between uh, what CEOs think of in terms of um, the way talent uh, you know, should 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 be looked at in their business, and then what actually happens on the ground. And, and a couple of sort of examples that that spring to mind. A couple of years ago, I went to a really great conference in India, looking at the sort of the future of future of HR and the future of talent acquisition. And I've never seen this. Uh, I've never seen this happen at another conference. But they open the conference with two a panel of two CEOs. These CEOs represented two of the companies in India with the most employees. So these are these these are kind of um, you know <laughs> very legitimate people to to have. And and they talked about their expectations from talent acquisition and HR over the over the next two years. And it was it was just really interesting to to kind of watch where the disconnect was. And I'd, I'd previously had a conversation with someone sitting next to me who was a TA leader for, for quite a big company. And they were just sort of really frustrated because they didn't feel they kind of got any um, senior support in evol- you know, evolution and changing things. And then we kind of watched these, we watched these CEOs talking about um, their vision for it. And they, they sort of turned around to me and went, but how's that going to happen? <laughs> how's that going to happen? Um, and I had a... Um, I interviewed Jerome from Smart Recruiters last last month, and he's actually written a book aimed at CEOs about talent acquisition and hiring success, and 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 really talking about how talent acquisition leaders can empower themselves to get into that conversation in a strategic way. And a lot of that was driven by having the right type of data and being able to deploy that data strategically in those kind of high level conversations. So I think it's yeah, it's it's a really interesting area and it'll be interesting to see how many companies can can kind of get on board with that with with that kind of um, step change of thinking I think it and I think it's a reframing of the role of a talent acquisition leader uh, to be thinking more holistically as you said you know the, some of the things we're talking about 
you need to be, you know, so much more involved in the planning phase, the kind of pre-funnel work and, and certainly think of yourself and your team is not just, you know, filling wrecks. <laughs> you know, there's there's a whole bunch of strategic work that just kind of sitting there. You know, the, the business, I think, is wanting us to step into that. So pre-funnel stuff, you know, we talked about middle funnel assessment area. I think that's that's a lot, that's a black box for a lot of TA leaders. We don't spend nearly as much time thinking about kind of the assessment space. I think we over-index as a profession on, on top of funnel sourcing and kind of forget that middle funnel stuff. And even now, the post-funnel experience, right? The employee experience to make sure that our, our EVP is actually true, that it's not a bunch of bullshit, <laughs> you know, that, that what, we're, what we're promising people in, in the recruiting phase and the courting phase is, is actually kind of being delivered afterwards. And, and even studying retention, and uh, particularly in the context of, of diversity and inclusion, is looking at, you know, where you're losing people and making sure you're building that into your strategies on the, you know, on the attraction side, the marketing side, the content side, all of that. Um, I, I have a question for you that's that's more around, I guess, influence and a and little bit of kind of root cause analysis, which is when you see TA teams evolve, when you hear the stories of the TA leaders that you interview, Matt, are you hearing a lot of that evolution being pu- kind of pulled from the business where the business is saying we have to change and therefore TA is the one kind of re- reacting to that that request? Or are you seeing TA leaders that have successfully kind of changed without a business pull? Which which is more common? I, I think, yeah, interesting question. Um, it's definitely it's definitely a mix. I would say that it, it's more common that the business is driving it, and they've found a TA leader who can who can champion and really sort of drive through that change. Um, and also the the DNA of the business matters a lot. So I mentioned HubSpot earlier, um, and that sort of great case study um, about content through the recruitment funnel, well, guess what? That's what their business does. (laughs) They're they're marketing software. Um, And um, that's what their business does. And and interestingly, one of my other sort of favorite interviews about sophistication in recruitment marketing was with the TA leader of Salesforce even longer ago. I think it was four years ago. Um, And and they were doing some amazing sort of testing around content and um, segmenting target audiences and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, guess what? It's Salesforce. Again, you know, a company, um, a company that has marketing technology. So I think the the, the DNA of the business often often plays a part in it as well. But but that said, I think, you know, there are some, you know, some really kind of inspirational leaders out there, people people who are people who are brave people are effective but also you know that that whole sense of people being curious of really wanting to find out what's going on going out and gathering evidence and taking that to their leadership teams and saying do you know what this is absolutely what we what we have to do and why we have to do it here's the evidence to support it here's how it's going to um how it's going to work so you know we we do and i'm sure you see TA leaders like that all the time in, in your work. There are some great people out there, but I think a lot is still driven by, you know, the business, either either in terms of business objectives or the type of business that it is. Yeah. And I think it'll be interesting, Matt, to see what happens. I mean, we, we are definitely, you know, in a recession. Economies are not growing right now. They're, they're shrinking right now. And it'll be interesting to see, as you said at the start, what kind of things were kind of forced to kind of consider, you know, changes we're likely to make, you know, technology, uh, the way we think about talent, you know, some of those things might change as a result of this. And so some of it, I think, is very much driven by business growth and a new profile. It'll also be interesting to see what kind of TA leadership opportunities exist because of potentially a, a shrinking situation. We're not doing as much hiring. Maybe we're more focused on quality, maybe transferable skills, maybe diversity becomes more of what we optimize for going forward. 
Uh, you talked about some some evolution uh, generally in in kind of talent acquisition, and we've talked about some some leadership opportunities. Uh, is there is there something you're seeing in the role of the recruiter? If I'm a hands on recruiter, you know, beyond some of the automation opportunities we talked about earlier, are there things that you see changing in my role? Uh, what do you think is is going to be you know, going away? What do you think is going to be added to my plate? Yeah, so I think it's 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 absolutely as I said right at the beginning. It's it's absolutely inevitable that there's going to be more automation and more technology driving things. I think we're seeing more automation in business as a general trend. Companies looking at how they can automate processes and things that they do coming out of this crisis. Automation is only predicted to to increase across businesses, and there's absolutely no way that TA and recruiting are going to be able to have some kind of exemption card against that. It, it's it's going to happen. The extent it's going to happen and the speed it's going to happen are the, are the two question marks. But it's 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 absolutely inevitable, and I kind of 100 percent believe that. So the 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 kind of the the recruiter of the of the future very often. I ask people the sort of the, you know, the human versus machine question when they come on the show, can I, um, I used to ask it as can, can a recruiter be replaced with an algorithm? And, and I broadly always get a very similar answer, which is, well, you know what? The technology can deal with the repeatable processes and, um, you know, aspects of our, aspects of our work that could be automated, should be automated. Um, and that leaves the recruiters free to do the, the, the kind of the more human the more human things and i was thinking about well what are those more human things in the future so you you talked about employer brand and authenticity and all that kind of stuff so i, I think that the, the recruiter is the human face of of the company's empl- employer brand recruiters essentially are there to persuade people to join their businesses and i can't i can't see i can't see that changing that that element of persuasion, that that element of representation, that representation of the brand, I think that's important. Um, also, best recruiters that, that I've worked with, and the best recruiters when I've been in a recruitment process, are the ones who who really are the champion of the candidate. They're they're, they're really promoting the, the 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 candidates kind of throughout throughout the process. So, um, you know, I think that's that's part of it as well really helping the company stand out and differentiating the experiences. Um, and also, as kind of mentioned before in the assessment part of our conversation, providing the human checks and balances to the machines. There are lots of sort of documented um, examples of AI bias and recruitment automation going horribly wrong, you know, with you know, algorithms optimizing for the wrong things and all that kind of stuff. And it, it's kind of really important to, to have the human recruiters there to, 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 to stop that to stop that happening. So I think this is big human-driven, brand-driven role for recruiters. And then the other aspect of it is, is what I mentioned already, which is about specialisms. And sort of too often in the past, I've seen TA leaders trying to upskill their recruiters in in lots of different things, which is which is great. It's kind of a very sort of noble approach to things, but you can't be good at everything. You can't specialize everything to the degree at which we need specialization at the mo- at the moment. So you know, I see roles for marketing specialists, for branding specialists, for content strategy specialists, and for data scientists. 
in 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 the recruiting teams of the in the recruiting teams of the future. So if you take technology as a given, I think it really is about specialization. It's interesting you say that. I, I, I'm curious when I when I talk to hiring managers or my team does, we have focus groups, and you ask hiring managers what they want. Most hiring managers want a one stop shop, right? They just want one person they can go to for all of their people needs. I mean, they don't really say I want an HRBP to do everything, an HR business partner. But what they'd really like is just one person, one one person that knows their business that they trust that can handle everything. But when you look at building kind of a world class TA function, you know, there's tremendous specialization needed for all the reasons you just stated. Um, one of the things we're working with a, a big retailer right now, a big global retailer, and they have not had a very strong central programs function. Um, and in the central teams is sometimes where you can afford to put those deep specialists. And what's interesting as, a, as an outcome of not having that is you have a lot of, um, you know, you don't have programs, you don't have central leadership around things. So you have a lot of individual recruiters making up their own stuff or even worse, hiring managers making up their own stuff. You know, hiring managers going completely outside of the norm and just doing it because there's been a leadership vacuum. There hasn't been someone leading it. And so just to add a little humor to our conversation here, we have seen hiring managers start their own private university recruiting programs, build their own personal career sites. Of course, no surprise, build their own interviewing competency models. But we literally had a client where a hiring manager went off and built their own ATS because they were not getting leadership from the business. This was an engineering leader, but it just cracks me up. And so this almost ties back to what we said earlier around, you know, the business is, is there's actually quite a bit of pull from the business for us to step up as, as TA leaders. And when we don't step up and we don't have that deep specialization, especially in a central function, uh, when we kind of focus too much on just generalist or just kind of filling recs, I think the business gets so frustrated that sometimes they take action and the action might be to outsource you right, is to go RPO uh, with you, or it might be to start kind of building a lot of the innovation on their own, building what they need, building the solutions to the problems they have. They certainly aren't just going to wait around for us to get our act together. Um, the business has to run its business, right? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I've always said, I've always said that talent acquisition needs to look at automation and technology and strategy and, and take ownership before ownership is taken for them, basically, before, uh, you know, people just make decisions about it and that 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 is so key at the moment because that that could happen in in many many organizations as they kind of review all of their business strategically but but picking up on the hiring manager point just just a, just a small point but 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 something that i think um something that's interesting and that, and that makes a difference is so I have a report out at the moment that I co-authored with my my very good friend and co-collaborator, um, Mervyn Dillon, where we just did it. We just did a kind of a small sort of research project on hiring manager relations, and combining that with a couple of sort of podcast interviews that I'd done, one one with you actually. Um, the, the the I think the most interesting thing was we asked uh, TA leaders whether they gave hiring managers input into technology decisions and very very few of them did and when i spoke to mitchells and butler on the show a few weeks ago one of the things they did when they put their new ats in is they acknowledged that they have a small ta team um, but actually they have hundreds of hiring managers who use this system so those hundreds of hiring managers were effectively the users of that system and their needs needed to be needed to be heard and taken into account during the whole kind of process of vendor selection and implementation Otherwise, it just it was never going to work, and uh, very few companies do that. 
And I, th- I think that's really interesting. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think the the, the user, one of the end users, isn't isn't their feedback isn't incorporated into the decision? I don't know. I mean, what 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 would you what would you say? What would you, what have you seen in your experience? It's really interesting because I see a lot of um, I see a lot of assumptions that uh, that hiring managers are going to do what we're going to tell them to do. That this is that it's almost got a compliance consistency orientation. Like, well, of course. They want better reports, so we have to have them do this. And of course, we have an interviewing process where we collect feedback, so they have to enter feedback. And of course, a hiring manager has to be the one to, you know, approve their rec and, and you know, whatever. And that can now be fully automated in the system. So all the stuff that they have pain around that they're doing manually, maybe we're just going to put into the system and they're going to love it. And they're not really thinking about, you know, the user experience. They're not really incorporating in the hiring manager feedback. And really, they're automating potentially a shitty process. You know, they're taking something that already hiring managers don't like, and you just, you're just assuming that we can just improve it by automating it. But the reality is we need to start by looking at the process itself and say, this is a bad process. You know, before we go and, and automate this, let's engage the business in, in the conversation around what are the out- outcomes we want, reverse engineer to build the right process, and then talk about what we should automate and the role of the hiring manager in this system or in this tool. And I think we skip that. I think we just kind of jump to... It's a compliance issue. We need to force them to do it. So our job is change management. We have a program manager who's driving it. Or we just automate bad process and just think that somehow the business is going to high five us and applaud us for doing that. But it was so bad to start with. Those are off the top of my head. Those are two things that come to mind that I, I've seen. So see, see, I've reverted to type after after 45 minutes and started asking you questions. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll let you ask some more. Yeah, I want to I want to ask uh, a little bit about candidate expectations. And one of the things that's you know it's really different when you're in a recession. Obviously, uh, the, the the number of recruiters, the number of recs we have, uh, the the capacity to give quality feedback. There, there's a lot of challenges still in candidate experience. I don't think it's improved nearly as much as I would have thought, given all the great technology we have now. In fact, some of it potentially has gotten worse. And I guess I wanted to hear a little bit from your perspective. How has candidate experience become better or worse in the past, you know, X years? And and what's to blame, or or what's what what should we give credit to if it's gotten better? What should we blame if it's gotten worse? Yeah, interesting question. Um, I literally think from episode two of this podcast, I was talking about candidate experience. So, so candidate experience has been probably one of the most consistent themes that's gone through all the interviews that that I've done. Has it improved in five years? Yes, it has. And I think um, a lot of that, I think there's two things driving that. One, the huge spotlight that's been on it, been been placed on it. So you can't go to uh, a recruiting conference without hearing someone talk about candidate experience and how important it is and what, what they've done. So I think that's, that's, that's one part of it. But also we have to recognize that our expectations as consumers of the world have grown exponentially. You know, we, we expect to be able to do things with, with no friction instantly through mobiles or whatever, whatever that is. And, and that's the kind of reality that talent acquisition is working in. So it's inevitable that, that the experience will get better to some extent. However, I'm still seeing and hearing about so many bad candidate experiences. And there's so much that hasn't changed. And there are still areas 
still kind of massive problem areas here and it it, it kind of hasn't shifted anywhere near a, as much as you would ex- have expected it to o- over this five-year period is technology to blame for the fact that it hasn't gotten you know 2x better yeah good good question um i think it's easy to blame technology it's easy to blame resources it's easy to blame hiring managers which is what uh, most um you know Seems to, excuse that seems to happen. Um, this seems to happen quite a lot, but actually, it's it's all to do with the way that processes are designed and who the stakeholders are in those processes and who those processes have been designed for. So, I recently spoke to Scott Birkin, who's sort of a well known well known business author, and he's he's got a new book out about how design rules the world. Um, and he looks at he looks at design. And I actually spoke to him about candidate experience design. Um, you know, and he said the first thing he said is there is this obsession with design thinking. Everyone everyone's talking about design thinking, but actually not much design doing. So um, it's all very well talking about redesigning processes and we're using design thinking, but it's like what does that actually you know what does that actually look like and what does that actually feel like and how does that how does that actually happen? So. He came up with a, he's not a recruiter, he doesn't work in the recruitment space, but he came up with a very interesting, you know, he came up with a very interesting suggestion, which was, why don't you do a interview with everyone who has successfully got through your recruitment process and ask them in detail about their candidate experience journey, what was good, what was bad, what what almost put them off, what 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 was a real struggle, and and use that data to input into the redesign of that experience. And and I kind of reflected on it, and I thought about it. And I thought it's a really simple idea, but I bet I bet not many companies do it. Lots of people use surveys and scores and NPS and all those kind of things to judge candidate experience effectiveness. But are they actually getting the input from the people who experience it that's actually usefully going to change, usually going to be able to change it? And I think I think that was an interesting point. And I think the other thing is it's about data and data and measurement. I think candidate experience measurement has always been very subjective and very poor. So it's very difficult to change something if you don't understand, if you don't have the data to understand where the, where the, where the problems are in that. And uh, had an interesting interview with Waycamp, the Dutch e-commerce company, and they've put in a proper data-driven approach to candidate experience. And, and the first thing that they realized was they were looking at certain aspects of data in complete isolations. They were looking at NPS scores at certain points of the process and making false assumptions about them. And instead, they looked at the whole process and they looked at the velocity of candidates moving through that process and sort of combined all the data to get, as again, going back to the DNA of a business, as an e-commerce business would do, combined all that data to really understand it. So I think it, it's process, it's who designs the process, it's thinking about process, it's the data, and also some of the technology, particularly the legacy technology, makes it makes it very makes it very difficult. I, I agree with everything you said, and I would just add, you know, accountability is is really lacking. You know, a lot of measurement is done, but there's there's not, you know if we're not measuring our recruiters or hiring managers or companies on the basis of candidate experience, 
and there's and there's you know goals and there's consequences for not meeting those goals. I think it's really hard to change behavior. It feels like it it can just become just one of a million other things we're asking our recruiters to do. <laughs> you know, make your hiring managers happy, make your candidates happy, get all your data in the system, make sure you're sourcing, make sure you're you know capturing feedback from everyone, chasing down this information, getting these approvals. There's so much we ask uh, a recruiter of 2020 to do, and I feel like candidate experience just everyone just kind of nods their head and, and kind of agrees it's an important area to focus on. But I don't see the same kind of, you know, metrics when we're evaluating candidates being applied as we do to simple things like, you know, time to fill or hires per month or something like that. So I, think, I would say that's probably another foundational miss um, in the whole thing. I, I want to ask as we, as we wrap up, um, if I wanted to get a lot smarter uh, about you know, recruiting, um, obviously recruiting future podcast, your podcast is fantastic. Um, are there some other favorite podcasts? If I'm a TA leader, you'd recommend I, I look into, I listen to, to go deeper into some of these topics or topics that might influence my thinking. You mentioned digital marketing several times, getting smarter about just the marketing world as a way to be a better TA leader. What, what do you listen to? What do you love? Yeah, good question. I, I think the first thing to say is all the sort of podcast interviews that I've mentioned in our conversation, I'll, I'll go back and uh, put links to li- links to them in the show notes so people can go back and check them out. So, I mean, obviously there are a lot of, uh, you know, there's a growing number of podcasts in talent acquisition, and I'm, I'm sure people will be familiar with with with, with many of them. I, I suppose my, my my must my must listen guilty pleasure is the the Chad and Cheese podcast. I couldn't not mention them. You know, obviously a great place for breaking news and a very very different style to 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 my podcast. But but outside of TA, I I, I really, I really love listening to to long form interviews, to podcasts that really kind of get to the nub of what's um, what the nub of what's going on. My um, my absolute podcasting hero is Tim Ferriss, and the Tim Ferriss Show was the podcast that inspired me to start podcasting. Now. He has a very wide selection of guests, and and some of them, you know, <laughs> some of them may not may not seem, seem very relevant. But he had Bob Iger, the CEO from Disney, on a couple of weeks ago, and he'll do an hour, two hour, three hour, really in depth interview. And I, I think listening to listening to long podcasts like that is a great thing to do because it really challenges your mind. It challenges your, your sense of curiosity. It helps, helps you ask, helps you ask interesting, interesting questions. So I love his, I love his podcast. There's another one called the knowledge project by a guy called Shane Parrish, which is a very, very similar style. There are lots and lots and lots of marketing, marketing podcasts out there, you know, which I think, uh, you know, marketing week have got a great podcast in the, in, in, in the UK. And I think, I think, I think it's just about being open-minded and going out and find finding things that challenge your thinking. I think podcasting is is the perfect opportunity to 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 do that, to spend to spend spend time in another world, to think about, you know, if I want to go and learn about marketing, I'm going to go and look at the the top marketing podcasts and and really listen to what to what people are saying. So, I'm probably being reluctant to name specific shows because things move so quickly. And I, I kind of listen, listen back to this in a few weeks and think, oh, I should have mentioned that show. But I think generally looking outside the industry and listening to long form podcasts would be, uh, would be my recommendation. That's great. That's great. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you're going to put some of the, the podcasts we've mentioned in the notes section as well. Cause I think as, as I'm hearing you doing this, I, I was thinking, I want to write all these down. So appreciate you doing that. Um, hey, I want to thank you for this opportunity to kind of switch chairs a little bit and, and interview you. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. 
really appreciate everything you do for our profession. And uh, I appreciate the kind of deeper insights you're bringing in the, in the kind of conversations and the way you approach your, your podcast. Uh, so thank you for that. And thank you, John. Thank you, for, thank you for interviewing me. You're very welcome. Great to talk to you, Matt. My thanks to John Vlastalika for being such a great interviewer. You can subscribe to this podcast in Apple Podcasts or via your podcasting app of choice. Please also make sure you follow us on Instagram. You can find the show by searching for Recruiting Future. You can also listen and subscribe to the show on Spotify. You can find and search all the past episodes at www.recruitingfuture.com. On that site, you can subscribe to the mailing list and find out more about working with me. Thanks very much for listening. I'll be back next time and I hope you'll join me. This is my show.